Welcome back to PHM Experience, the podcast. This week's sermon is called Seeing Christ in a Crisis from our very own Bishop, Dwayne L. Boyd. We know this message is going to uplift, inspire, and encourage you, so don't hesitate to share it with a friend. Without further ado, the message. We are not victims. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the church said amen. All right, everybody, to the word of the Lord this morning, Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. Amen. We are continuing on from our yesterday, seeing Christ in the crisis. Amen. I believe the subtopic for today is seeing Christ in the crisis turning point. Seeing Christ in the crisis turning point. I believe that we in faith, those who are of the God kind of faith, Amen. That God is instructing us and leading us to let us understand that we are in a crisis, but Christ is in the crisis. And so we are, we are encouraged. And I just believe God's going to use this crisis to cause a turning point in our lives. Let us prepare for the word of the Lord. Second Chronicles 20th chapter. Amen. We're going to read scripture and then begin what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. And it came to pass, first verse, after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea of this side, Syria. And behold, they be in Hazar Tamar, which is in Jedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God? who doest drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name's sake, saying, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction then thou will hear and help oh i like that right there ninth verses read it again if when evil cometh upon us as the sword judgment or pestilence or famine we stand before this house and in thy presence 
for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction then thou wilt hear and help praise the lord everybody 10th verse says and now behold the children of amen in moab and mount seir whom thou wouldest not let israel invade when they came out of the land of egypt but they turned from them and destroyed them not Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given unto us, us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. You ever been to a place in your life where you don't know what to do? But our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And then upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jerel, the son of Mathaniah, and the Levite of sons of As, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation and said, Hearken unto all Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And the church says, amen. Amen. Now come on, let's declare that with me. The battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. We're going back into our uh, teaching on seeing Christ in the crisis Amen. Turning point. I'm here to tell you that, amen, this is not the first time. I read that scripture and that particular story to encourage you to let you know this is not the first time believers have been in an impossible situation. This is not the first time the people of God have been outnumbered. There's nothing new with us. We have been outnumbered, amen. In this case, there were three armies that were coming against Jehoshaphat. It wasn't just one army. It wasn't a fair fight. It was three different armies that came up and gathered in league against Jehoshaphat. Many of you don't understand how important this is and why they brought up to God in prayer about the, uh, the 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 different armies that were coming, but just to give you a little history, uh, glory to God. The children of Moab and the children of Ammon were actually the offspring of <laughs> of Lot's of Lot's children. Amen. The two daughters after they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. In Genesis. Amen. The two daughters looked at themselves and says, Amen. We are without child. And glory to God. Let us get our father drunk and let's lay with him. And out of that incestuous relationship came the Moabite people and the Ammonite people. And so now you understand that they were actually, when God, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, 
they were the two people that God did not allow them to destroy when they went into the 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 the, the uh, promised land because they were actually relatives <laughs> because of that scenario. But now they're crying out and saying, "Look, you didn't allow us to destroy them when we had a chance, and now they're going to reward us for coming back." Isn't it crazy sometimes? Amen. How many times you know you know you could have done um, put you know put person in a rat real bad position and you extended them mercy and now when um, the time comes around the very person forgets the mercy that you extended them and now they want to take you out amen but God did not allow that to happen amen in this story we must realize that the three kings rose up against Jehoshaphat and the part I want to bring out I don't want most of the time we preach this story about how God amen uh, won the battle without swinging the sword but what I want to share with you is how Jehoshaphat dealt with the crisis. Amen. Many of us know in this story how that the armies in, you know, they began to praise God and all the armies went into confusion that were against him and they got the victory without even swinging a sword. But what I want to go back to is the beginning of the story because can you imagine the stress that Jehoshaphat must have felt when he realized the reports were coming that three mighty armies were coming against him to overtake him. Can you imagine being the leader of a whole nation and now everyone's looking to you for answers? I mean, much of the stress that's going on in our society right now is that people honestly just want answers. They understand that we are dealing with a foe and enemy. We're dealing with something that we can't control and something we can't even see. And one of the things that causes the greatest stress in a scenario like this and the one that we're in right now is that we don't have answers. Many of us will be relieved of the stress if somebody were to come out on TV and say, yeah, by March 31st, 2021, this would all be over. It would be such a relief to know when the end of a thing is. But honestly, we don't know when this is going to be over. Jehoshaphat was dealt with a situation when an army was coming to completely annihilate. You got to understand back then, a glory to God, when an army overtook you, they killed you. They did not allow, they didn't take you into prison and put you in chains. They cut your head off. They paraded you amongst the people. So he understood that what was coming wasn't just coming to take his gold and his money. Something was coming to take his life. The stress that he was under was unbearable, but what I want to teach and preach to you today is how he responded. I said it even on yesterday. We cannot control the crisis, but we can control how we respond to the crisis. Amen. Jehoshaphat didn't do anything to cause this. It wasn't his fault. But honestly, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and I say this again, it's not that, you know, you just happen to be living in a historical time where it's not about your sin. It's about you, amen, living in a time that God has predestined and predetermined that he was going to reset the world. If you look at your Bible, God has picked through the years and through the generations certain times that he would reset things because some things got out of order. And God, by his providence, can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. But what I'm encouraged about is that every time God 
God wants to reset the world, he protects his children. And I thank God that anyone that's listening to me today, this is the time that you should be running to your knees and crying out to God and making sure that you and God are cool. You got to make sure your relationship with Almighty God is tight because God is renovating the world. And that those who are with God, those who are serving God, I believe that we are protected. And even if we happen to transition, absent from the body is present with the Lord. This is not a time to play church. This is the time to be the church. Christ is in this crisis. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to me to say that, look, amen, even though we don't know what's going on in 2020, I want you to understand Jehoshaphat is teaching us a lesson today. The first thing Jehoshaphat did when the crisis hit his his, his door is Jehoshaphat called a fast. Jehoshaphat ran to the sanctuary. Jehoshaphat went into prayer and sackcloth. In sack. He didn't go sharpen up his sword. He went and fell on his knees and began to pray before God. He called everybody to pray. He said the dog, the cat, the cow, nobody eat nothing because we're going to seek God. Amen. We don't have a, we, we're in a position in our lives where we don't have a chance to survive and the only way we're going to get through this is if we call on the name of the Lord. What I'm preaching to you this morning is that when crisis hits your house, it is not time to panic. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Jehoshaphat is teaching us that when he was outnumbered, he didn't go and do military strategy. He did spiritual warfare. There's some things going on in your life you can't control. You can't control the economics of the day. You can't control if your job is going to be there tomorrow. You can't control if they're going to foreclose on your house. You can't control, amen, if they're going to evict you from your apartment. You can't control if they're going to repossess your car. You can't control, amen, if you do get the virus, how your body's going to respond. But one thing you can control is how you position yourself in this crisis, amen. This is the time that we must cry out to God. This is a season and time that as Jehoshaphat is teaching us that he cried out to God and prayed. He shut himself away. He caused himself to get closer to God so he could get the right direction in the midst of the crisis. It's important that when you're going through a crisis, you get good counsel. It's important when you don't know what to do. The scripture made it very plain. It says, we, in the midst of their prayer, they said, Lord, we don't know what to do. Don't you understand? You can be a believer full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. And the truth of the matter is, don't know what to do. We as pastors all over the world right now, we don't know what to do. Amen. We don't know. Should we open up our doors? Should we keep them closed? What should we do, God? We just want, we don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to put nobody's life in jeopardy. And so we need to pray. Leadership, we need to pray. We need to fast and pray. We need to be like Jehoshaphat and shut ourselves away until we hear God. And once God speaks, that's when we move. Seeing Christ. In the crisis. Let me give you the definition of a crisis. A crisis is a stage in a sequence of events at which the trend of all future events, especially for better or for worse, is determined. A turning point. Crisis, a condition of instability or danger. Sounds like us. 
as in social, economic, political, or international affairs leading to a decisive change. Crisis, a dramatic, emotional, circumstantial upheaval in a person's life. Crisis. We are in the midst of a crisis. Even naturally, Jehoshaphat was in the midst of a crisis. We are in the midst of a crisis. Emotionally, economically, socially, we can't even connect with our family members. We can't even, amen, do the economical things that we're not doing. Businesses are shutting down. People are being pushed back. Things are not manifesting, amen, things that we declared this year that was going to be, amen, the crisis has hit. And now many people are panicking or afraid. But Jehoshaphat is teaching us he did not allow the three kings that were coming against him to put him into paranoia. Instead, it put him into prayer. Let's shift from paranoia to prayer. Let's shift from panic to passion. Let's not panic. Let's have a passion for God. Let's, let's seek the face of God like never before. Let's, let's understand. Let's not forget how great God is in the midst of this crisis. Crisis is so important. If you look at the stories of the Bible, we teach them all the time, but many times we don't connect them and relate them to what our own experience is. Many times we think for some reason we're null and void of crisis, but that's not true. These stories are here to teach us how to properly react in the midst of a crisis. Let's go over some of my notes with you. Prophetically, God is using this crisis to create an upheaval of current foundations and systems to reintroduce faith and favor through righteousness and godly reverence. Let's tell the truth, church. Amen. Many, many, our society and our culture has lost the reverence for God. We got to tell the truth. Many a times, even in our churches, we have lost the reverence for God. But God is going to use this crisis to get our attention back again. I don't know about you, but he has my attention. Oh, yes, he does. God, all historically through the word of God, whenever the people of God got off track, a crisis would arise to bring us back to the focus of who we're living for and who we belong to. Let's continue in my notes. Returning back to the ways of faith and righteousness is the opportunity that we have as a people. This is an opportunity. God, if you notice, amen, seemingly has not destroyed us. Amen. The world has not been destroyed. We have just put a pause button has been pushed and has made us to think what is going on right now. Many of us are still taken care of. We're still able to exist. We're still living. We're still functioning. But yet we know that there is something bigger going on. And there's a thing that we can't just control. And that's one thing that's causing a great stress in our society because we can't control what's going on. It's reminding us that we never could control. One of the lies and the illusions of Satan is he makes us feel like we're in control when we never really were. In control. We planned for trips. We said vacations. We said we're going to retire this time. We said we're going to do this, that, and the other. We're projecting 12 months, a year out, a year and a half out. We're projecting where we're going to be in three years. We're planning this. We're planning that. And today, today, right now, if you think about it, we're living day by day. Because once again, many of us, even as a culture, have lost our reverence for God. We used to say, 
I'll see you tomorrow. We used to say, if the Lord wills, we recognize that today is the day he's given us, but tomorrow's not promised. If the Lord wills it, I'll see you tomorrow. We didn't guarantee. I guarantee you right now, the bodaciousness of our society is, I'll see you next week. Amen. No doubt. I'll be there. There is no understanding that we don't control the breath that we breathe. We don't control the life that we live. It's all in the hands of God. It's always been in the hands of God. But in this pause of our society, in this crisis that we're in, we've all been brought back to the understanding, the humility that God is in charge. He's always been in charge. It's sad that he had to remind us, but he's doing what he has to do because he loves us. Let's keep on going. I got to finish this up. Amen. I got to finish this up. Amen. Let's go on a little bit farther. If we look here, it says, God told me to tell you, he says, if we miss this window, if we miss this window of opportunity, if we miss this window of bowing back down to the Father, if we miss this window of giving reverence unto God, if we miss this window, the door will eventually close. All through the Bible, we can see the mind of God in action. We can look at Nineveh and see how Jonah was able to declare, amen, at a time that Nineveh was far away from God. But one message from the man of God brought Nineveh back to fasting and praying and brought them back into a place that God was honored and God lifted the judgment off of Nineveh because Nineveh responded to the message of God. But then I preached yesterday, I said, God sent the message to Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom and Gomorrah did not respond properly, and their whole cities were wiped out because even though they had a crisis, they didn't respond to the crisis properly, and they were burned up with fire and brimstone. They got a warning, but they didn't respond properly all through the Bible, we see, amen, different episodes. We look at Jehoshaphat and we see the three armies coming against them. But then we go to another story of the four leprous men, amen, that were sitting outside of the gate and the Syrian army had them besieged. Glory to God. And they said, should we sit here and die? But they rose up in the midst of the crisis. They were leprous men, but they were starving to death. And they said, instead of sitting here waiting for our death, they rose up and said let us go into the Syrian army they have food there if we're going to die let us die trying to live so they get up and they begin to walk toward the enemy instead of away what am I saying to you in the midst of the crisis it is not time for us to regress it's time for us to press the four lepers were sick men. They were already ostracized from the people inside of, of the camp, inside of the kingdom. They weren't allowed to go in. They weren't welcome inside. And glory to God. Amen. They were already falling apart. They were already dying. But their desire to live was great enough to press past the threat of death. We cannot be afraid of death in this season. We have to be warriors. We have to be victorious. We have to be more than overcomers. We cannot allow the paranoia and the phobias of this season to cripple us. We must rise up. All of that faith that we've been talking about, all of that word that we've been preached to, all of that prayer we've been praying, we must now put it into action. This is a time that we, the body of Christ, must mobilize and be in action for the kingdom of God is suffered violent, but the violent must take it by force. Seeing Christ in the crisis. I'm almost done. 
I look at another story just to share with you about crisis, how how Haman, amen, wanted to, wanted to commit genocide against all Israel, how he got the king to pass legislation to destroy a whole nation of Israel. But then we see how Mordecai, amen, and Esther found out about the plot of the enemy against their nation and how they responded to the crisis was that Mordecai put himself right in front of the king's uh, palace and sat in the middle of the road, amen, and put dirt on his head. He shaved off all of his hair and began to cry out to God and began to fast and pray. Just because there was a crisis, he responded by fasting and prayer. What is God saying to us? Then he finally got the word to Esther, the queen. And the next thing you know, Esther found out. And Esther began her own time of consecration. She set herself apart. She beautified herself. And she put herself in harm's way. Presented herself before the king without an invitation. She didn't wait to be invited. She said, this is too, amen, dramatic. This is too urgent of a matter. I must face the king to shift the stronghold of the enemy that wants to destroy our whole nation. And because she was bold enough to rise up, she beautified herself and presented herself before the king. See, when there is a crisis, you must not go into depression. You must put on your best. You must look your best. You must stand and understand that the glory of God is going to use you in the midst of a crisis to bring forth change. There is a turning point that will come into your life when you rise up in the midst of a crisis. Esther could have said, what can I do? The king hasn't called me. She could have used all kinds of excuses, but she said, look, I'm going to bust. I'm going to break protocol to save my people. And when she presented herself, the king raised his scepter, which meant that he was she was allowed to enter. And when she was able to share what was going on in her heart, everything shifted. Her boldness breaking protocol was a turning point. You have to, we have to, I have to, we have to break through the normality and the and the casualness of our humanity and understand that we are we must break through the protocol of our humanity and break into the supernatural and realize that we cannot win this battle with our senses, with our logic with our with our common sense the only way we're going to win this spiritual battle is to battle in the realm of the spirit we must be a people that is bold enough to press past the norms and the normalcy of what's going on yes clean your hands yes put on your face mask yes put on your disinfectant yes spray your chair yes do all the things the cdd cdc tells you to do but understand our true power is not in disinfectant our true power is in our mouth our true power is in our tongue our true power is in our spiritual authority to come and pull down strongholds our true authority is in the name of jesus there is christ in this crisis there is christ in this crisis we look I think, as I prophesied today, I believe that the church is getting ready to get promoted. What I've noticed in my study of the Word of God is that every crisis has come with promotion. 
when you respond properly to the crisis, there's a promotion for his people. Mordecai and Esther, when they overcame Haman, the very gallows that were made to hang the children of Israel now hanged his whole family. And now the king allowed Mordecai and Esther now to have a lead in the government. Daniel and the Hebrew boys, when the crisis came, when they were trying, amen, that anybody would bow to any other God, would now be thrown into the fiery furnace, would now be thrown into the lions. Then look at these crises crisis that these men had because they wanted to honor their God. Whenever you want to honor your God, trust me, the devil is going to try to create some kind of crisis to get you to regress back, to get you to surrender, to get you to say uncle, but the devil is a liar. These men, we talk about them and preach about them 2,000 plus years later because they overcame the crisis by responding by faith and not fear. That's why we still teach them to our children. We teach the stories to our Sunday schools and our Bible studies because they overcame the crisis. Who's going to be teaching about you 50 years from now? What are they going to be saying about the church of 2020 50, 100 years from now? Did the church of 2020 respond to the crisis properly or did they cower like Gideon initially? We don't have time. We're making history right now. What you're doing right now is making history. The decisions that we make right now are making history. Why doesn't most people know about Gehazi? Most people don't know about Gehazi because Gehazi, he didn't make the, he didn't make the right response in the midst of a challenging moment. Gehazi was the protege of Elisha. He was the hand-picked successor of the, the, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. But Gehazi, instead of being patient, instead of making the right decision, he got impulsive. He got in his flesh, and he caused himself to lose out on something that was divine. Let us not have the story of Gehazi. Why is it that many people don't glorify Judas? Because Judas, at the moment of challenge, instead of him overcoming the situation, he faltered and he caved. He, he allowed his flesh to have preeminence. And now, instead of him being a hero, he is a, he is a foe. Because of his response in the midst of a chaos, we now see Judas for the rest of our days as someone who betrayed Christ. Don't be Judas. Don't be Gehazi. Make the right decision because Christ is in the crisis. Got to go, y'all. Got to go, got to go, got to go. Let me finish my notes. The Bible says, Daniel and the Hebrew boys gave, my story, my, my notes here, Daniel and the Hebrew boys gave them great authority after the crisis Joseph in the Pharaoh of Egypt in that crisis, Joseph was able to move into a position from the prison to the palace in the midst of a crisis. Let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the crisis that Pharaoh was going through, it would have never opened the door for an opportunity for Joseph. Without the crisis, Joseph wouldn't have had an opportunity. The butler wouldn't have remembered the one he left behind for two years if it wasn't for the crisis. Don't curse your crisis because the crisis is used by God to open up opportunity you normally would never get. It's the crisis 
that Christ uses to bring his people into preeminence and power. It was, we talk about Joseph today because he was in prison one day and second in charge in the palace the next. It was the crisis that gave him that transition. And I believe prophetically in the crisis of this pandemic, God is going to shift people if they respond properly in faith. What would never happen if things were normal are going to happen now because of the crisis. Doors are flying open. Opportunities when other people are, see, let me tell you something. Other people are quitting and that's going to open up a door for your elevation. Because God has people, I mean, this crisis has people so scared that don't have faith. The people of faith are going to walk into opportunities they would never have happened if it wasn't for the crisis. You're going to get promotions on your job because of the crisis. Doors are going to open. You're going to start businesses. People are going to get married. Things are going to happen in this crisis that you normally would have never done. If it wasn't for the crisis, it, this crisis is introducing you to a whole new level of life for the believer. This crisis is not a negative for us. It's a positive. <laughs> get ready. I got to close, y'all. I got to close. There's something to be said about enduring through the crisis and seeing Christ in that moment. If you think about Abraham, how much stress he must have been under when he had to take his son up to the mountain to give him as a sacrifice, how much pressure, how much crisis it had to be when he took his son, knowing he had to sacrifice him to God, didn't even tell his wife what a crisis he was under, what pressure he was under, but he stayed. He kept faithful unto God until the ram was revealed. I believe in the midst of this crisis, those who remain faithful unto God, there's going to be a divine ram revealed to your life. We look at one more story. The dead priest dies and calls on the, the, the prophet. And the wife says, we are in debt because uh, your servant died and left me and my sons in debt. But yet there was a working and a canceling of debt of miracles for them all during the crisis. I realize that the anointing needs. Here's what I realized, church. I realized that the anointing needs a Christ to a materialize. In that moment, the anointing of God. <laughs> think about it. Just think about it for a minute. The anointing of God always is present, but it literally shows up in a crisis. The turning point is in that moment when noun has been exhausted and destiny takes over. Yes, I said exhaustion. Amen. We're in a season where God says, when the flesh is exhausted, when your opinions, when your ideals, when your plans are exhausted, is when the Holy Spirit will kick in and supernaturally manifest himself. Once exhaustion hits you, that's when the supernatural is released. Have you ever noticed, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, nothing is working. And that's when God steps in and says, okay, are you exhausted now? Now let me step in and do what I want to do. It's after you get exhausted of your flesh that the supernatural kicks in. And many people are exhausted right now. They've tried everything and nothing seems to be working. Huh. The anointing shows up in the midst of a crisis. The turning point is in the moment when noun has been exhausted and destiny takes over. Yes, I said exhaustion is the key component of the turning point to gain power. Our exhaustion is the fuel of the anointing of God. When our flesh is out of ideals and opportunities, the spiritual grace of God is revealed in the situation. Get ready. Your crisis is the platform of your next promotion in God.
Whatever you do, don't run from your crisis. Run into it with your faith wide open. Glory. The crisis is what's going to reveal the Christ in your situation. We honor the Lord today for the word of the Lord. We thank him for what he has said to us. And I encourage you on today. The Bible is true. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's been there the whole time. Many people are crying saying, Lord, how long will this take? Does it really matter how long as long as he's with us? Can we find, can we find consolation knowing that God is still with us in the midst of the crisis? Because Christ is in the crisis. I'm encouraged today that, yes, it would be great. Prophets are trying to determine and dictate when this whole thing's going to be over. But honestly, I'm in a place now where I'm not trying to go back to where I came from. I'm not looking, amen, for that season that has passed. It's gone. We must renew our minds and understand that that which we were used to, we may never experience again. But there's still a God that's going to introduce us to this new place, this new experience. Don't you understand? The children of Israel were in Egypt for 400 years. Yes, they weren't always slaves while they were there, but they were in that one place for 400 years. And God has a way of navigating you to new places and it's uncomfortable and it's something that's unlearned and it's something you're not sure about but God is with you in the daytime he is that he is that cloud and at night he is that pillar of fire as long as that God is with you you must find comfort in the transition because Christ is in the crisis be encouraged all over this world as you listen to me it's time to pray time to fast Time to set yourself apart. Let's be like Jehoshaphat. Let's understand, look, I don't have enough might to come against three armies, but I have a mighty God to pray to. He stayed in that sanctuary and prayed until the Holy Spirit had to respond. Do you understand? Your prayer is going to mandate a Holy Ghost response. Your fasting will guarantee a Holy Ghost response. Whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever you're challenged with, Seek the face of God this season, and you will find the response. You'll get an answer. You'll get direction. You'll get insight. And you ultimately will get the victory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank God. Amen. Let us stand, everybody. Let's begin to give God some praise. Let's give him the receive the increase of God. Let's begin to receive God. Let's, let's begin to respond to this crisis with prayer all over the sanctuary. If you wouldn't mind, begin to pray, not just for yourself and your family. Begin to be, pray for our nation. Pray for our people. Pray for our society. Just take about 30 to 60 minutes, seconds, and just begin to ask God to intercede and to pray. All over this world, on this broadcast, can you just begin to pray? Can you begin to ask the Father to give you guidance, to give you insight, to give you revelation? Come on, let's begin to drop our fears and our doubts and our insecurities. Let's begin to trust God in the midst of this crisis and see the hand of God move quickly for you. And if it doesn't move quickly, just the hand of God keeping you while you're waiting for the door to open. Holy Spirit, we honor you today. We bless you, Father. We stand in all of you, Father, and we, we give your name glory, honor, and praise. We, we, we need you, Father. We have a crisis going on, and 
People are challenged in their homes, challenged financially, challenged physically, challenged emotionally. Some are depressed, oppressed. Some are dealing with sickness and disease. Some are dealing with just the unknown, not knowing what tomorrow is going to hold. Some are sitting here challenged. If they would have known this pandemic was going to hit in 2020, they wouldn't have retired like they did last year. They wouldn't have spent the money. They're, 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 just, they're just wearing themselves out with worry and fear and unbelief. But Lord, I pray that you would lift that stress. I pray that you would lift that panic off of their hearts and their minds. I pray that they will see Christ in the midst of this crisis. We pray as a church, Father, we are the only entity on earth that can seek and intercede for the people of God and the people all in general. We, the church, stand up and intercede between this death and life situation. And we say we shall live and not die. We shall declare the works of the Lord. We shall prosper as your people, Father. We shall increase and multiply. The enemy shall not have the victory in this situation. Father, your name will be glorified. We shall magnify you. We shall not deny you in the midst of this crisis, but we shall proclaim your name like never before. We exalt you, Father. We're not ashamed, God. We're not embarrassed. We are so thankful that we know you and that you know us. So, God, we honor you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you for this opportunity to serve you and to worship you freely. Thank you, Lord, for this great congregation. Thank you for the people of God all over this world in this broadcast today. Release your anointing. Set us on fire in the spirit. Let us become evangelists. Let us become prophets again. Let us begin to declare the word again. Let us, let us rise up again and be the called out people that you've called. Let us not walk around with our heads down like our God has failed, but let us rise up and lift up our heads into the heavens and realize that our God is in complete control. In Jesus' name, we honor you, Lord, and we thank you for you've done all things well. And Father, when it's all said and done, your name is going to get the glory and your people are going to be in a much better position huh, than we ever thought we could be in. Father, many people thought their prophecies and the things they declared are null and void because of this pandemic, but just the opposite. Everything we said, I've seen people debt cancellation. I've seen in, in, incredible releases of favor. I, I've seen you work miracles in people's lives this year supernaturally, God, and I thank you for you're not waiting for the pandemic to be over. You've already, you're, you've been in the midst of it the whole time. And so, God, we honor you. We thank you for those who serve. We thank you for the servants of the Lord, those who are working in the background. We thank you for the first responders of the Spirit that have been still ministering to people, even though we haven't been able to go to church. People, the Spirit of prophecy has still been encouraging each other on the phones and online. Thank you, Lord, for the first responders that have been seeing about our brothers and sisters Thank you for the first responders in the spirit that have been interceding in the realm of the spirit. Amen. Bombarding heaven, making sure that the people of God are sure and true. We honor you, Lord, and we thank you for this great assignment in this season of crisis. You've raised us up for such a time as this. You've equipped us to be victorious and not defeated. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands, all your people, and bless the name of the Lord. Come on, let's clap. Come on. I know you can't shout like you want to, but just clap your hands and give God praise.
Hallelujah. 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 Let's give. Let's get ready to give unto the Lord here locally and also online. Let's get ready to give everybody. This is a time that we need to sow, an opportunity to sow. It is such a precious time that we would sow in the midst of the crisis. There's something so supernatural when you sow in the midst of crisis. When you sow your seed huh, in a dangerous and a, 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 a terrible moment, when you still believe God to sow, when you're not even sure about your economy tomorrow, that is faith in action. So right now, all over this world, our local church, online, here present, let's get ready to give. We're asking many of you can give digitally if you can. You can give your cash app by dollar sign PHM1. Cash app is dollar sign PHM1. You can give online at www.powerhouseministries.org. You can give your credit card or debit card there. Many of the saints have been mailing in their seed at 115 East Glenwood Avenue, Smyrna, Delaware, 19977. You can mail it in also at 115 East Glenwood Avenue, Smyrna, Delaware, 19977. We appreciate you. That cash app one more time is dollar sign PHM1. Sow a seed of sacrifice today. Stretch out with us in faith. Encourage the houses and those who don't belong to our church, but you have a church home. Continue to sow into your church. Continue to support your ministry. Even though you're not able to walk into the doors, understand that the work of the Lord must go on even more so than ever before. It grieves me when churches have to close because of economy. Let us make sure our houses, make sure the word of the Lord is still going forth in our communities. To do that, believers must continue to support. And we thank you in advance for what you do and what you've done. We love you so much and we thank God for you. Till next time, God bless. about to dismiss you can just stand and want to thank God for the word of God today uh, we can dismiss from that last seat